Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? It's so good to be with you here today. If you're joining us online or at Banta or Franklin, uh, we want to welcome you. Of course, welcome here to Greenwood as well. And uh, it is good to be back. I am so thankful that our church every year gives me a four-week break to kind of think ahead and prepare some sermons. I think I have like six sermons rewritten already. We've got some good stuff coming for you starting next week in a brand new series called After God's Heart. I'm so excited to dive into that. Uh, but it's good to be back. We had some time to, to rest and reflect and get some clarity and everybody needs that. And so I'm so thankful for our campus leaders and speakers. Didn't they do a great job? <laughs> Pastor Aaron, Pastor Cody, Pastor Brent, all these guys. They did a fantastic job, and last week, Michael Cast uh, did, did a great job as well, and you guys were blessed by them. And so, so thankful to have other folks to step up, be able to speak God's word for us here at our church to bless us. Today, today what I want to do is talk to you about community groups. I want to talk to you about the importance of being in a small group. For the next 25, 30 minutes, I'm going to do my best to convince you, if you're not already in a group, to get in a group, and if you're in a group, to stay in your group and pour your life into your group. Because here's what's true about our life, here's what's true about you, and here's what's true about me. At some point, we all face something in our lives that we cannot overcome by, say it with me, ourselves. And that's why we need to have good people, the right people around us. Because it may not be now, it may not be tomorrow or next week, it may not be next year, but at some point all of us are going to go through something where we just cannot get through it by ourselves. It could be an addiction, a financial situation, a relationship gone bad, a job loss, a sickness of some sort, but we need people around us, and that was God's design, by the way. God designed us to be social creatures and to rely on each other from time to time to get through some difficulties. And uh, I remember back when in middle school, when I entered middle school, I was a, a, a skinny little sixth grader. You know what I mean? Anybody ever struggle with that? I was so thin and so frail, people made fun of me. And, uh, and so I entered the sixth grade. And my middle school was, I grew up in New York, so it was kind of a rough kind of public school system, a lot of fights, just, just it was a difficult, difficult time. Middle school is difficult <laughs> without that, but, you know, you add some difficulty in there with, you know, uh, some fighting and, and uh, a lot of bullying going on. And, and at the sixth grade level, you also had seventh grade and eighth grade. We had those three squeezed together. And I remember this one kid would pick on me all the time. And it was so bad because he would punch me and he would punch me in the arm and then he would tell me to give me, my, give me his money, uh, give him my money. And it was like out of a movie, you know, the bully that picks on the kid and takes his lunch money. It was literally happening to me. And when I would resist, he would punch me and I was like, oh, like give me a dead arm. And I didn't have any muscle on my body anyway. And so it would just kill me. And so this would go on and on and on. And finally, one night around the dinner table, 
and we were talking about how our day was, and I just, I just decided to share with my family that, you know, there's this kid at school, uh, he's like left back like twice, I think. <laughs> he comes into my lunch period, and he picks on me, and he takes my money, and he punches me in the arm, and, uh, and uh, it was a situation I could not get out of by myself. Sometimes I would avoid this kid, I would try to hide and all, you know, get away from him, but inevitably he would find me. And so I'll never forget, we're sitting around the dinner, ta- dinner table, I had two older brothers, my brother Jason was uh, in the seventh grade at that time, my brother Jimmy was in the eighth grade at that time, and I was in the sixth grade. And my dad, never forget what he says, my dad looks over at my brother Jason, he says, hey, uh, tomorrow take care of that. <laughs> and I was like, what? Did he just say that? What's that mean? What's he gonna do? And my brother Jason was one of those man child, like in the seventh grade, he had facial hair. <laughs> you know, like full armpit hair, you know, all that stuff. It's like, what happened to you, bro? In one year, he just turned into a, a man, you know? And so, uh, so the next day, it's, it's school, you know? I'm sitting in lunch, and, and my brother cuts his class. Like, who cuts class in the seventh grade? Like, you know, but my brother did. So he comes into my lunch period, and he sits right next to this kid. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? You know, I'm just all nervous. And, and he said, well, just wait for the bell to ring. And, and so I was like, okay. And so the, sure enough, the bell rings to go to the next class. And as soon as the bell rang, my brother Jason jumps on this kid's head, puts him in the headlock, takes his right fist and just starts pounding his nose. Just boom, 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 over and And the chairs go crazy. The table moves out of the way. Now in middle school, whenever there was a fight, at least in my middle school, which was frequent, uh, everyone get around in a circle, right? So we're all around in a circle. We're watching them. They're rolling, rolling around on the floor. And once my brother got this kid in the headlock, he wouldn't let go. And so he's like choking him out and he's punching him in the nose. Then the kid's nose busts open and there's blood starts coming out everywhere. And I'm watching this like, <gasps> Wow! And this thought occurred to me, right there in that split second, I thought, I will never pick a fight with my brother again. Because, you know, as a little brother, you always think you could take your older brothers, right? And they're always like, they're going half measures and you're going full measure, you know, and they're always, I was like, nope, I'm done with that. But but that's not the point of the story. so they, the, the teachers come in and they break the fight up and they send my brother to the principal's office and they both go and blah, blah, blah. And, and the amazing thing was is they didn't suspend my brother because everybody knew this kid had it coming because he was a bully. And that's just the way it worked in middle school, right? But here's what happened. That kid never bullied me again. My brother came in and he saved me, Literally. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that we cannot get out of ourselves and we need someone else. We need a friend to step in. Sometimes our problems require outside help from friends. Now you might be thinking, I can't believe your dad told your brother to do that. They should have told the teachers. Well, that's not the point of the story. Don't get hung up on that, okay? That's just the way things worked in New York at that time. Anyway, sometimes we need, we need the help of friends. I want to share a story with you today from Mark chapter 2. Jesus told this story. Actually, Jesus didn't tell it. This is a, a situation that took place. If you've seen the, uh, the Netflix, that's not on Netflix, it's on YouTube, uh, the series called The Chosen, this scene, anybody seen that, The Chosen? If you haven't seen that on YouTube, watch The Chosen. It's a fantastic story of Jesus through the New Testament. Uh, this scene is captured beautifully in, the, in that series. In Mark chapter 2, 
Uh, Jesus is, has come back from preaching in Galilee and he's in Capernaum and, and he's doing miracles and, and crowds of people are following him and everywhere he goes, you know, people want to hear what he has to say and see what he's actually doing. And so in Mark chapter two, let's just jump into the story here. Check this out. Soon, with the, the house where Jesus was staying, it was so packed because he was teaching that visitors were inside the house and they were outside. Like, can you picture this? Jesus is teaching and people have crammed into this guy's house. Imagine if you, it was your house, right? Hey, Jesus, you can come stay with me. Then he starts talking. Everybody fills up your house. And then they're outside the house. This is, this is people are hanging on Jesus' word. They want to hear what he has to say. They've heard that he's a miracle worker. Watch what happens next. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. Now, I'm telling you, sometimes you are paralyzed. Sometimes there is, there is nothing you can do to fix your problem. That's where this man is at right here. That was me in the sixth grade. There's nothing I could do to get, around, to get away from this kid. I needed someone else to come in and help me. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you, if you're not there right now, you will be there at some point in your life. That, that, that there's something's going to happen to you where you need outside help to help you get through. That's where this man is at. Watch what happens. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now picture this scene. Imagine it with me. There's this crowd, they're, they're, they're trying to hear what Jesus has to say. These four men arrive with their friend who's paralyzed. They can't get through the crowd because they're so packed in. They're hanging on every word that Jesus is saying. And so they, they're like, well, what, what are we gonna do? And back in those days, the roofs on the houses are not, were not like our roofs on slopes and you know, shingles and wood. The roofs were flat and they were made with basically sticks with mud on top of that. And sometimes vegetation would grow and people would go up on their roof to kind of hang out. It was like an extra room in the house. So don't think of a roof in terms of your roof. So they, they say, you know what? Here's what we'll do. We'll go up the staircase around the side and we'll break a hole into the roof and we'll drop this man down right in front of Jesus. So imagine, Jesus is preaching, the, the place is packed. All of a sudden, there's noise up top. People are looking up. There's dirt that starts to fall. Then all of a sudden, they start to see light come through because people are ripping sticks apart and the mud is falling through and the dry dirt is falling down on people's heads. They're like, ah, can you imagine the pandemonium? What if it was your house? Right, Jesus, I let you into my house. Now there's van they're vandalizing it. I'm never gonna let you in again. You know what I mean? I mean, this is craziness. They get the hole big enough where they could finally fit this guy down. They probably squeezed him together like a sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and they just lowered him down through this hole on, a, on, a, on, a, on a, a, basically a towel of some sort that they're grabbing four corners on. They lower him down right in front of Jesus. Watch what happens next. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. What a statement. Now, in the crowd that day, there happened to be some Pharisees, some teachers of the religious law, and, and when they heard Jesus say these words, they were like, what? This is blasphemy. Look at verse 7. It says, this, this is, how could he say this? Only God could forgive sins, which they were absolutely right. And they were wrong. <laughs> Because Jesus was God, it wasn't blasphemy. He was God in a body, 100% man, 100% deity. He could say and had the authority to say, your sins are forgiven, your soul is healed. 
But Jesus knew what they were thinking. He could see them, you know, in, the, in their thoughts and they're thinking, oh my gosh, how could he do this, you know? And so Jesus says to them, well, what's easier? To say to a man, your sins are forgiven or to stand up and rise and, and, and be healed? Listen to what Jesus says in verse 10 and 11. So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority to forgive sins, that I am in fact God in a body. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. The man stands up. The people rejoice, everyone except the Pharisees, of course. And they say these words, we've never seen anything like this before. Well, of course you haven't because God's never come to earth in the form of of a man. And the man is healed and the glory of God is revealed. Now, make no mistake about it. Jesus is the focus here. Jesus is the one that can heal the soul. Jesus is the one that can heal the body. But where would this man have been without his friends? Have you ever thought about that? He'd still be back at his house. And maybe Jesus in the future would have circled around to maybe his neighborhood and healed him. Maybe, we don't know. Maybe not. Where would this man have been without these four friends that brought him to Jesus? He would still be in his sins and he would still be paralyzed. Sometimes we, 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 we find ourselves in a situation that we can't get out of ourselves and we need our friends to help us. Do you agree with this? Yes or no? And that's why at this church, we try to get you in small groups. We try to get you around the right people because we know it's just a matter of time before you face something, some type of pain, some type of hurt, some type of of job situation where you're gonna need the right people in your life. What do the right people do for you? Well, let's look at this. Let's look at the text together. I saw four things that the right people do. The first thing in your notes, and these are the types of people you need in your life. The right people for a time will carry your burden. The right people will carry your burden, as I wrote it, for a while. Listen, we don't know how how far away this guy was from Jesus. It could have been a half a mile. It could have been a mile. It could have been a mile and a half. It could have been two miles. How far did they carry this man to the house where Jesus was teaching? I don't know. But they carried him for a while. I love this quote by John Churton Collins. He said this, in prosperity, our friends know us. In adversity, we know our friends. Isn't that so true? When things are going well, we know our friends. They kind of flock to us. When things go poorly, we find out who our real friends are. Because our real friends will come in and for a while, for a period, they will help pick up our burden. Look at the text with me in Mark chapter 2. Look what it says. While he was preaching God's word to them, the four men arrived carrying a paralyzed mat on his man. I looked up this word in the original language, which you can too. It's not something special that pastors can do. The, The New Testament was written in Greek. And I looked up this Greek word carrying. And you know what it means? It means to carry. Isn't that deep stuff when you get into the original languages? It's like, wow, that's so profound. It literally means to pick up, to pick up a load, to carry something in your arms. That's what the right people do. For a while, they carry it. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, the Apostle Paul said this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. The right people around you will help you carry the load, whatever that load might be a sickness, a job loss, a relationship problem, they'll carry it. But they also know that that they're not the solution. They also know that they are not God. They also know that they cannot heal your body or heal your soul. So the second thing the right people do, the right people do, is they carry you to the one who can. The, The right people carry you to Jesus. 
The only one that can heal the soul. The only one that can heal the body. See, the right people in your life, they know something about God. They know that he is the source of all power and all strength and all wisdom and all compassion and all love. I love the way the author of Hebrews describes Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Think about that. When, when people saw Jesus, they saw the exact imprint of the Father. If you could put God the Father in a human form, you would see Jesus Christ. He's the exact imprint of God's nature and he upholds the universe. Think about that. The billions of galaxies and the hundreds of billions of stars and our planet and our solar system and our sun and our moon. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The right people around you, they know who to take you to. They are limited in themselves. That's why they don't try to carry your burden forever. They're like, I'll carry it for a while and then I'm gonna drop you off to the one who can really fix your situation. Do you agree with this? They don't try to play God. They don't have a Messiah complex in your life. They're like, I need to take you to Jesus because he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He spoke and it came into existence. Look at the text. This is what it says in, Hebrew, in Mark chapter two. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Do you, have, do you have people in your life that will do that? The right people that will take you to Jesus? Years ago, I read a book called Renovation of the Heart. It's a tough book. It's written by Dallas Willard. And he was a philosopher at the University of Southern California. And so he kind of writes like a philosopher and it's real deep and all that stuff. But man, if you can get through it, this book will change your life. The Renovation of the Heart. This is what Dallas said about the social life. The secret of all life-giving relation to others, friendship, basically. He could have just said the secret to friendship. He didn't. <laughs> the secret of all life-giving relation to others and all that is social lies in the fact that the primary other for a human being, whether he likes it or not, is always God. You know what that means? That means that the person you need the most is not me. The person you need the most is not your friend. The person, the person you need the most is not your father, not your mother, not your sister. It's not your spouse, it's not your husband, it's not your wife. The primary other for every human being, whether he realizes it or not, whether he wants it or not, is always Jesus. And so a, the right person will carry you for a while, but they know you, you need Christ, you need Jesus. He is the source of power and strength and wisdom and healing and compassion and forgiveness. I've got people in my life like this. In fact, I've selected them. I've hand-selected them. I've got four, four men in my life that I invited into my life because I know what they will do for me. And they will carry my burden. They will take me to Jesus. I meet with them every other Friday in our small group. See, I don't just talk about small groups. I'm in a small group because I really believe this stuff. And for what we do for each other is we always bring each other back to God and we bring each other back to scripture. By the way, how does the right person bring you to Jesus? How do they actually do that? Well, the first thing, if you wanna write these down, is they pray for you. They take your name and they bring it up to God. God, I wanna bring my friend Don in front of you today and I wanna ask that you give him wisdom and healing and help him with this decision he needs to make. I wanna bring my friend Greg in front of you right now and I ask that you would give him the, the strength to, to parent his children or to, to love his wife well or whatever it is that he's dealing with. 
They pray for you. They bring you to God. How else do they do it? They, they take you back to the scriptures. See, Jesus is the living word, but the, 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 but the written word takes us to the living word. See, Jesus and the spirit, they wrote the word of God. So, and, so the right people will always point you back to scripture, what God has said. How else do they do it? They'll give you a book. They'll say, hey man, I, when I was going through that cancer situation, I read this, this book and it helped me to persevere and get through. When I was going through the divorce, when I was going through the death of my, my husband, I read this book and it really blessed me. And they will give you books that will bring you back to God and show you. They'll, they'll show you podcasts that they're listening to and things that they've heard, audio cassettes. And they'll say, hey, listen to this, check this out. And that'll bring you back to Jesus. This is what the right people do. They carry your burden and then they carry you to Jesus because they know that they're not God. They are limited, but they know the unlimited one. What else do they do? The right people, number three, they don't give up. They persevere. The right friends, they're not fair weather friends. They don't just hang around when things go well and then disappear when things go wrong. No, they keep on going. Let's look at the text together in Mark chapter two. Look at these guys. They couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. So what did they do? they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Do you have friends that would be willing to dig a hole in the ceiling for you? <laughs> I do. And I believe that's why I'm gonna make it in my life sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's my friendships like, okay, at least I have my friendships. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. Because these guys would dig a hole in the roof for me. Do you have friends like that? That when there's hurdles and when there's obstacles, we say, you know, we're not giving up. We're going to use our imagination. We're going to get creative. We're going to go up the stairs. We're going to dig a hole through the roof. Anything to get you in front of Jesus. The right types of friends persevere. Do you have these people in your life? I hope you do. This is why we try to do small group at this church. Because the hope is that you will get around the right people who will carry your burden for a while, carry you to Jesus because he's the source of healing and strength and grace, and that will persevere with you as you're going through the difficulty. Number four, what do the right friends do? You know what they do? They have deep faith. The right friends have deep faith in God. They know, they know that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. They know that he can do all things. And so they just believe. They have deep faith in God. Look at the text. This is what it says. This is amazing. Some of us didn't catch this when I first read the story. Seeing their faith. I always thought it was the guy's faith, the paralyzed man, that he had a bunch of faith. And that's why Jesus healed him and forgave his sins. But it actually says Jesus saw collectively their faith. He saw the faith of the four friends as well as the faith of the paralyzed man. Well, these guys, are, these guys believe that I can heal this guy. They wouldn't have busted a hole through the roof and try, interrupted my sermon, right? <sighs> Preachers don't like to have their sermons interrupted. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Do you have friends around you that have deep faith in God? <sighs> so critical. It's because of their deep faith in God that they brought him to Jesus. They heard that the miracle workers in town, they said, get on the mat, we're carrying you. I don't care how far, two miles, mile and a half, half a mile. We are going to see the miracle worker because we believe that he can change your life and heal your soul. Powerful. The right people around you have a deep faith 
in God. You know, the wisest person to ever live, or at least one of the wisest people to ever live, he didn't finish that well. His name was Solomon. But God gave him incredible wisdom, and he wrote many, many of the Proverbs, and he wrote the entire book of Ecclesiastes. This is what he had to say about friendship. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can help, can reach out and help. But watch this. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. If you don't remember anything else I've said today, can you just take a mental snapshot of this? Because at some point in your life, you're gonna face a situation that you can't get out of yourself. He or she who falls alone is in real trouble. They have no one to come in and help them get through that divorce, the loss of a loved one, the loss of the job, the financial setbacks. They've got no one to reach in and help them get through it. My heart for you is just to hear this principle like, man, I need, to, I need a small group. I need people around me. Not just to take, but to give. There are people who need, listen, there are people who need you to jump in and help them. It's not just about receiving and receiving and receiving. Jesus actually said one time, it's better to give than it is to receive. This is about you being a blessing. Some of you are not in a small group and you're stealing help from somebody else. Because you refuse to get into a small group. Oh, I don't like to share my you know, personal life. My, my, my. I know who you are. I don't want to be in a small group. You know, people find out stuff about you. People are weird. You know, people are weird. They are so weird. It doesn't mean that God's plan is not to, to, to use them to help you. Like there are weirdos in this church. I'm just telling you, it's the way it is. Small group still works. Community still works. Why? Because there are times in your life you're going to be going through some stuff and you're going to need that weirdo to help you. And listen, you are that weirdo. And you need to help somebody else. God brings a family together and, and families are tough. And it's difficult sometimes to be in a family, but families is, is, is God's system to get you through those tough times. So my question to you today is, do you have the right friends in your life? like these four guys that are willing to carry your burden for a while, carry you to Jesus. Persevere when it gets difficult. Get on a roof, punch a hole through a roof. Friends who deeply believe that God can heal you. We, we try to do small groups here to, to, to meet that need. It's not a perfect system. There are lots of problems with it. But it's the best system we can create right now. I wanna challenge you to go to eclife.org if you're not in a group and sign up today. Just go to our website, you click the tab groups, you can see all the different types of groups we have there if you're not already in a group, and sign up for a group so that when you go through a difficult time, when others go through a difficult time, you all can help each other. Now, if I haven't convinced you to jump into a group right now, that's the best I got. Uh, so I'm gonna hand things off right now to a lady named Pat who's here. I want you to hear her story today. Because this is a story that, this is real life. She went through something hard, difficult, and it was her small group and others outside her group that helped her through it. Check out her story. It was on um, April the 30th, I was at work. And I just wasn't feeling quite right. I felt like a little weak, a little congested. It was at that time that my daughter mentioned that we might have you tested for the COVID. So four days after that, 
is when my test results came back and I was positive. My name is Pat Safstrom. I've been going to Emanuel for nine years. I got here because a friend of mine was getting baptized and I was invited. I love the service, I love the church, and I've never not come back. I just decided to make this my home from just that first service. I didn't really quite take it serious quite yet. I had heard that as long as you get to a 10-day period, at that point, you'll be better. Well, that's not really true. The 10-day period is where you're either better or worse. Unfortunately, it got worse. I had to go to the hospital. Um, my oxygen levels were low. I was put on oxygen. Uh, they took me to a room. I was in my room for five days, and my oxygen level uh, went up to three. I did ask the doctor, how does this work? Because I didn't even know, even being a respiratory therapist, how it worked. He said, once you go on six liters of oxygen, that's when you go on a ventilator. Of course, I know what a ventilator is. Um, there was a point, you, you don't really do anything. You just lay there. You don't really think about anything because you just are trying to kind of concentrate on your breathing. And this is when I said, okay. <laughs> and I did pray. And I said, uh, what do you want me to do? Am I going to fight? Am I going to get better? And I just prayed. And on Friday, it, the strangest thing, I know it was the Holy Spirit, just something came upon me and I felt like it felt like to breathe normal. Like I felt like I was in this field of just fresh air and everything around me was pure and it felt really good. And that's when I knew that I would be okay. And uh, I was released on Easter Sunday. My small group has always been very, very supportive. During my COVID time, um, I had the girls calling my daughter because I wasn't unable, I was unable to talk to anyone at that time. And they prayed for my daughter, prayed with her over the phone. They, I got cards, flowers. Uh, I just got a lot of encouragement during that time. My daughter would relate all this message to me. They're prayer warriors. <laughs> um, I needed that at that time. After the COVID and I got home, a parade was in my honor. It was really amazing. All of them showed up. There's at least 60 people that came and drove by my house, brought posters, balloons. And they've just been great. I'm so glad I'm, a, you know, I have this group in my life. I really feel blessed to have them. Since the COVID, I would say my small group probably is more precious to me than ever when you're in a small group. Um, you have those people praying for you that make you feel like, I wanna be like that. I wanna be a prayer warrior. I wanna be there for my family. I wanna be there for my friends. We're always gonna have bad times. And so why would you not wanna be prepared? And you need that group. I mean, trust me, <laughs> you need that group. Whether you think you do or not, you do. It's a confidence builder because you're learning more. You have friends who back you up. You have encouragement. And you just know that you always have that backup. You have someone that's always got your back. I realize that more than now, after um, being through what I've been through, that you need these people. It's unbelievable, actually, how many people really do care about you. All of our days are numbered. 
So the more people that you can get rallied and behind you and support you, why not take advantage of that? I, did, I just don't understand why you wouldn't. Give it a try. There's a fit for everyone. I believe that there is a good fit for everyone. And if you don't get it the first time, try again. It's a gift, it's a free gift. And I would just encourage anyone to take advantage of that and learn. Just learn your Bible more, you learn your everything. Life, you just, life is better. It's just better. I love what Pat said there. It's a free gift, why not try it? You need it whether you think you do or not. Would you go to eclife.org and sign up for a group if you're not in a group today? You may not need the help right now, but somebody else does. Maybe you can be the person that jumps in and carries a burden and carries someone to Jesus and perseveres until that person receives grace or healing. Maybe somebody is waiting to be blessed by you. And then when it's your time, you will be blessed by them. I wanna wrap up today by going back to our story. The guys, they bust a hole in the roof, they bring this man down, they place him in front of Jesus. Everyone in the room and outside the room, including Jesus, knows why these men have brought this paralyzed man. He is there to be healed. He is there to receive healing in his legs so that he can walk. And isn't it interesting that the first thing Jesus says to this man isn't, rise, your legs are healed. Although that is incredibly important. Our bodies and our health is incredibly important to God. The way we feel in our body is incredibly, our health. And it's precious to us and he cares about it. But that's not the first thing he addresses. The first thing he addresses is the man's spiritual condition. He says to the man, your sins are forgiven. Why does he first address his soul and then address his body afterwards? Well, here's why. Our bodies are temporary. They're important to us, but eventually they perish. Do you know there's a 100% death rate? Have you heard? Have you heard? We all gonna die. Nobody's body will last forever. So it's, a, it's of secondary importance. It's important, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the soul. Why? Because the soul is eternal. The soul lives forever. And so the primary thing for you to deal with is the condition of your soul. So he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. Have you dealt with your soul? Have you gotten right with God? Has, has he forgiven your sins? Have you received grace? Have you been washed of all your sin and your transgression? If you haven't, I would say to you today, that's God's primary concern. Yes, he's concerned about your finances. Yes, he's concerned about your relationships. Yes, he's concerned about your physical health. He is, but he wants to deal first and foremost with your soul. Christ Jesus died on a cross to pay, the sin, to pay for your sins to pay the price and the penalty for your sins. He stretched out his arms, he was tortured, he was whipped, he was nailed to a cross. He was humiliated, he was spit on, he was embarrassed, he was mocked. They pulled out his hair, they smacked him in the face, they hit him on top of a head with a stick, they punctured his side with a sword, and they killed him so that you can have your sins forgiven. That's the price of sin, it's death. 
So instead of you dying, he died in your place so that you could go free. Have you received the forgiveness of sins? He offers it to you today. Would you reach out to him today in faith and ask him to wash your soul, wash your your spirit, cleanse you and make you clean and be reconciled to God? If that's where you're at today and you wanna deal with your soul and you wanna be reconciled to God, I'm gonna share a simple prayer of faith. You can take these words, you can make them your own. It's not the, the words, it's the faith behind the words that will make you right with God. If that's where you're at today, whether you're watching online or one of our campuses, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Make this moment between you and God alone. No one else in the room. Just talk to him. Make peace with him. Say this to him, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place, for taking the penalty of sin upon yourself, being crucified in my place, paying a debt that I owed so I can be clean. I ask you to wash me of my sin, cleanse me, forgive me as you did this man in our story. Thank you for your grace. From this day forward, fill my heart with your spirit. Guide me, lead me, and help me to honor you with my life. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory today, church? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to put a gift in your hands. We put this together for you. There's a Bible inside. There's a cup, a mug from us to you. There's some instructions in here on how to join a small group and get baptized. We call it our save box. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you would text the word saved to 65248, we would love to put one of these in your hands. We'll send it to you through the mail and uh, just grab that, open it up and, and dive in. One more time, church. Can we give him glory? Amen. Come on, nice and loud, all of our campuses, amen.